that walk, that walk, that walk. Keep rolling, 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 rolling. Keep rolling, 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 rolling. Keep rolling, rolling. This is Walk and Roll Live. This is Walk and Roll Live. A podcast dedicated to the disabled community, sharing stories of courage and triumph, joy and discovery, and everyday successes and challenges. Now, here are your hosts, Doug Vincent and Eric Aguilar. Hey, welcome back to Walk and Roll Live. I am Doug Vincent. Eric Aguilar is here in the Aguilar Professional Training Studio, and we are ready for another episode, right? Taco Tuesday. What's up, amigos and amigas? Welcome to another Taco Tuesday. I'm your buddy, Eric. <laughs> uh, you having tacos today? Is there any tacos uh, in your future? Uh, uh, yeah, I think we have having fish tacos uh, for lunch because we have oh. leftover uh, salmon from last night. Fish tacos? Ooh, that sounds good. I think uh, we're heading over to the... Uh, the American Legion Hall for Taco Tuesday later on today. Me and my buddy, we go over there for our car show, our car club uh, meeting we have once a, a month. It's it's always a good time. Um, so, do you, do you have a good week? Anything exciting? I'm doing pretty good. You know, I took my uh, two uh, favorite ladies, uh, my fiance and mother-in-law to be to lunch. I helped them with grocery shopping. I got this new thing. It's like a punching bag, but it's like a Speed bag, but on a stand, and it bobs in all different directions when you hit or kick it. It's a new exercise thing for me. What's really cool is that you can adjust it to your height, and you can fill it up with either sand or water for stability. And when I'm not using it, I can always keep it in the corner inside the room or bring it out in the middle when I'm using it. And the cool thing is if you came with a set of box gloves, a set of wraps, and a jump rope for 13 bucks on Amazon. Very nice. Very nice. Getting your exercise in. Uh, you're you're – uh... You're a good role model as far as that's concerned. And I've, I've been working on some ways to get some exercise, especially aerobic. And I, and I, I haven't at this point. And that's a, and there's many reasons for that. I, I mean, in addition, I'm not excluding it, but that I'm, that I'm procrastinating, you know, and putting it off. Uh, it's just that there are some other kind of health issues that, that deal with it. Um, and, and as a matter of fact, a couple of things I, uh, first of all, you know what I had the opportunity to do, and I do it once every year. Well, it only happens once a year, but I get to do it every year, and it, it is just such a great weekend. Um, for years, I belonged to Kiwanis, which is a, a international, really, service organization, and there's a number of there's there's Kiwanis members, but then we have different clubs, sub like sub clubs. We have in high schools called the Key Club, and there's different clubs. Well, we have one. Is called the Action Club, and it is for intellectually and, and developmentally disabled adults. And uh, so we have one here through another organization that I volunteer for, which is called Anthesis, which I think I've, I've mentioned a couple of times. And we're going to have their director on or their CEO uh, on soon, I think. Uh, but they have a convention once a month, and it's at what what used to be called like a dude ranch, I guess you would call it. Uh, it's a it's a kind of a getaway resort up in Central California, just tucked away in this little valley, and it's called Wonder Valley. And they've got you know swimming pools, and they've got uh, uh, like uh, zip lines and all those kinds of things, uh, trampolines. Um, they've got a little lake there. Uh, they do weddings. It's also partially a wedding venue. But we we get together. We do service projects. So I you know I I take my van and I. I drove three of the uh, of the participants up with me, and we had a little convoy of about four bands full of kids. And then there's uh, different clubs that also bring 
there are people. So it's, it's people that we see once a year and we get to uh, take them and fish on this little lake. And it just, it was just a great time. We did um, a service project just to kind of show our love and support and that they are not forgotten for the people in Lahaina in Hawaii. Uh, we took 400 like canvas bags, like almost like a burlap, almost kind of canvas bags. And we tie dyed them and got them all ready. So, you know, all of us just in a, in this frenzy doing 400 of these things, you know, and uh, so we're sending those off to them to, like I say, just, you know, it's not going to make a whole big difference probably in their day to day on the ground, but it's just a way of us showing that we still remember them and, and keep them in our thoughts and prayers. So that was part of it, but a great weekend, great weekend. And then yesterday, um, I've got a heart condition, uh, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy that I've been, uh, you know, treating for uh, probably a decade at least. And so I got a, my, my, my cardiologist, he's wonderful. He, he's been asking me for a while, do you want a second opinion on the treatment? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm happy with everything he's doing, but sure. And, you know, and he's asked me several times. So finally I went and had that, that follow-up yesterday. Wow. What? I mean, about, it was like a two hour visit. You know how you go to the doctor and many times, you know, you're, you're there and you, I've been fortunate to have some great doctors who don't make me feel like I'm rushed. You know, they're, they're there, there to listen to everything I say, but we really had a long conversation with first the nurse practitioner. That was easily a half hour, if not more, just going through all aspects of, you know, my history with this particular condition up until this point. And this is all out of Cedar Sinai in, in Los Angeles. And, um, and then the doctor comes in and she spent, you know, another at least 15, 20 minutes with me going over from, from the information that the first person had kind of gathered and getting all of my history, all of my records over the last, you know, 10 years, they came up with a whole list of, of recommendations, you know, medication change, getting genetic uh, testing and, and all of these different things that they were going. And then after, you know, I felt like I had, you know, been heard on everything that I wanted to talk about with the doctor. Then a third person come, comes in and I'm trying, cause I'm at this point, I'm trying to think, you know, now it's gone for 45 minutes or more. How am I going to remember all of this? You know, all of these different aspects of this, you know, I, I want to communicate them to my daughter and all that. And, and then a third person comes in and they've got a whole summary, a whole folder that's got all the recommendations lined out that they're going to send off to my cardiologist. And, you know, so I don't even have to remember all this stuff. So, and already before we did this today, uh, this just, you know, this visit happened yesterday. I already got a call this morning to set up the appointment to do the genetic testing. So, you know, it, it's, it's amazing when you get that kind of care in, yeah, it, it's it really gives you confidence, of course, when you have something that has a, a downside, you know, a big downside. So anyway, that's what I was doing uh, this week. Uh, and uh, it's been good. It's been a good week. So looking forward to our guest today, which is in your field, Mr. Aguilar, uh, disaster preparedness. Looking forward to uh, to learning and you sharing what you know as well and helping us learn about disaster preparedness. Holy Toledo. 
I'm getting excited already. <laughs> good, 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 good. We've got Sarah Ray, who is uh, an emergency preparedness manager and so much more. And we're going to talk to her right after this on Walk and Roll Live. Aguiar Professional Training offers comprehensive organizational development and organizational effectiveness services for corporations, nonprofits, educational institutions, and individuals. What they do is improve work environments in key areas, such as performance management gaps, group interactions, morale and trust building, and team dynamics, to name just a few. Using a strength-based approach in conjunction with individual or group coaching, all of the strategies have produced significant results. APT also assists with managing change, improving work processes, training, and management of human capital. Learn more at agyarprofessionaltraining.com. A-G-U-I-A-R professionaltraining.com. Welcome back to Walk and Roll Live. I'm Doug Vincent. Got Eric here as well. Eric Aguilar and our guest for today. Um, we we kind of missed it. We got busy last month in September, which was actually Disaster Preparedness Month. And we had everything kind of booked for the month and didn't want to move anybody out. So uh, so we're a little bit behind, but that's on us. Uh, uh, Sarah Ray is our guest today, and she is a... Uh, a emergency preparedness manager and PSPS coordinator, and she would never be that unprepared to let something like us miss disaster preparedness month. So welcome to the show today. How are you? Oh, well, thank you. I am very well. Good. Appreciate you taking time to to join us today. Um, uh, Eric is very fluent in all of this topic too. I know he's given some seminars for Loma Linda and is uh certified and has taken many many classes right eric oh yeah that's pretty much my stick during uh covid you know took courses in the virtual world started teaching on zoom you know i've loved teaching ever since so we uh have the uh the privilege of having a couple of people that can speak to this topic fluently so uh you know what what are the first things i wanted to ask well first of all uh where are you from are you from southern california you're, you're native here or I guess I am. I was I was born and raised in India, so not too far, just a yep. stone throw over the mountainside. Yeah, born and raised down there. Um, moved up to Running Springs and lived there for about eleven years. Got kicked out off the mountain a couple of times after fires. Worked oh. for the county of San Bernardino for twenty years, and then landed a spot right here at Rolling Start about a year and a half ago. So was that career in disaster preparedness? A lot of that? Have you had a long With history? The county? Uh, yeah, well, kind of. Yeah. So as a county employee, you are considered a disaster worker. And at the first four years of my 18 years, I worked for the auditor's office. But then I switched over to public works. And that's when the disasters really started hitting, for me anyway, with the flooding of the count, various things, flooding, earthquakes, fires, of course, that we have a lot of. And I got my feet wet with that. And then we had a little a bump in the road on in December mm-hmm. for a terrorist attack that hit. And it was then that I said, 
you know, I wish there was something more I could do. Also, as a ham radio operator, I did a little bit for search and rescue up on the mountainside. And again, I just, there was just something more that I wanted to do with this. So I started looking around and found out that there was a degree offered, went back to school, got my bachelor's degree in emergency preparedness and hit the ground running between being an emergency manager certified with state of California, my bachelor's degree, I'm also a licensed EMT. Oh, you can see the writing on the wall. I yeah, was destined yeah. to. You, you know, it's awesome. We, we've had a number of guests that have have kind of taken a, a, a similar path in that, you know, they're, they're going along with a particular career and then they want something more or different or whatever it is. And they've gone back to school and whatever, and they've kind of reset their life. And I, I admire that in somebody. I, I don't, I, I never was faced with that because I, enjoyed what I did for so many years. And I mean, I guess I could do it now, uh, now that I'm retired and maybe study some different things, but, uh, I really, I really admire that. One of the things, as I listen to you talk, I, I'm, you know, cause this show hopefully is listened to all over the place. And, you know, we know very easily, we know about, uh, you know, places that have tornadoes and all of those different things, but, uh, and sometimes I think other, maybe than earthquakes, people, think of of it being fairly calm here i guess in california but still a lot of disasters and i know you touched on a couple that that we uh, get every year really you know flooding fires definitely so there definitely is a need for disaster preparedness right definitely is and as we just experienced uh, about a month or two ago we do on occasion get a tropical storm mm -hmm. or a hurricane that comes up, but we're also not, maybe that one was the direct hit, but we're always affected by hurricanes that happen down in the South in the Southern end of Mexico. And they come up and well, yeah, that's when we get our rains and our rainy season. So yeah, California gets hit with a lot, even tornadoes. Yeah. There's been a couple of tornadoes around too. That's the thing about Southern California, because we don't get much rain when we get a lot of rain, uh, the terrain isn't really prepared to handle it so it goes places that it it shouldn't go and you know and isn't doesn't necessarily always go so uh, we have to we have to kind of be prepared for those kinds of things you know so one of the things you know and of course on this program uh whenever we talk about disaster preparedness and you know uh, we do want to talk about it in kind of the general sense but we want to be uh, we want to talk about it specifically with our disabled community. And so I think I want to start with, um, is there anything right now that we're not addressing any particular disaster? Uh, what should our disabled community focus on now to kind of have that early preparation? What are the basics that we need? Communication and being alert. That are the two number one items you, you want to be alert. So a lot of uh, times everybody asks people, how do I know what's coming? How, how do I know how to prepare for what's coming ahead of me? Well, listen to the news, listen to the radio, listen to the weather. And if you don't have radio or television, because some, some of our consumers do not, you can always follow social media. Everything is up there. And to be informed is the first step to being prepared because now you can pretty much find out okay except for the earthquakes because we don't get that big of a 
warning, but there are apps out there that you can get that will tell you. I know Earthquake Alliance has been working on an app and do okay, but if you can get a 30-second heads up that an earthquake is coming, which, of course, down here we're always prepared for earthquakes, then that gives you 30 seconds extra to get up out of the the room or cover your neck and your face area and other areas that might be exposed due to a disability. If you're in a hospital bed or a gurney of some kind and you can't, at least you can cover up. You have that 30 seconds to cover up before it hits. And in the preparedness part, maybe put some things that you have above your your bedside maybe not put that big picture of grandma in that great big huge yeah um, yeah or if you have it there if you've got uh, (laughs) a little bit of warning you can you can get away from it right (laughs) right get away from the the big glass windows (laughs) those kinds of things so uh, is there i feel like there was like a, a a real resurgence or maybe even an instigation of really addressing preparedness for the disabled community a few years ago when there was the flooding and the rain and the and the possibility of the dam in paradise california that was going to burst they really i mean they evacuated hundreds of thousands of people and what happened in the independent living um, community uh, there's independent living centers which rolling star which is where sarah works uh is part of there's 28 in california and the county and all the disaster preparedness people started contacting independent living centers to try to get a hold of those people that were in uh, in their home and they couldn't really shelter in place in that instant. So they had to get out. Well, you're talking now about a level of disability where there might be some electronic gear. They may have, you know, very uh, big specialized uh, wheelchairs that, when the fire department or somebody shows up to rescue them, they may leave that behind and just take the person. Well, that that is a very vital piece of equipment, I, you know, and I'll let you talk about this because, uh, you know, this is just what I know. And I think from that they learned, you know, especially where the disabled community uh, is concerned, they weren't really prepared. So they've kind of leaned on the ILCs to kind of help us. So how will we address that? Well, let me take you back just a little bit further before that. When I was getting, when I was in school and getting my degree, I noticed then that there was just beginning the talking of when we look at the whole community. That includes our disabled, that includes our elderly, and that includes a lot of other areas that are community that fits in there. Up until, let's see, I got my degree about 10, 15 years ago. Up until then, there wasn't really a big influence, if you would, within the emergency management division for the counties. So a lot of times it was the counties saying, we will do this for you. We will put you here. We will put you there. But with the thanks of the independent living centers, everybody started getting on board saying, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You're putting me into a shelter, but I can't, My where's my, like you said, I don't have my power chair. Yeah. I need my power chair. It was left when I was evacuated. 
I had somebody come in and pick me up and put me in a shelter. I didn't have that choice. So the voices started coming. Now, unfortunately, when Paradise Fire hit, then we had a lot of problems there, too, because Red Cross wasn't prepared. Counties weren't prepared. They were still talking about it. But the the disability community was still looked at, we will help you. And the community was like, um, no. A couple of things, Sarah. You just you you pointed something out for me, and I want to make a correction. I said paradise, sure. and what I was talking about was the Oroville Dam. Yeah, the paradise right. was the fire. Oroville Dam was uh, the incident that kind of spurred some of this. But thank you, and, and I wanted to correct that. And um, you know, we talk about respirators and all those things, but that's an important part because that is the philosophy of the independent living center is is you, you want to be part of that discussion for whatever your, you know, whatever your evacuation is going to look like and all of those things like anybody else. And, um, um, oh, was I going to say the, uh, uh, well, the, the independence of it. Yeah. And just, just making those decisions uh, for ourselves oh, and, and being part of the conversation and being prepared, you know, not just wait exactly. till the disaster hits and then, you know, uh, those people want to make those, you know, or we want to make our decisions. You also want to be a part of the discussion and be at the table when we're planning everything. Exactly. And yeah. that's what we, in the emergency management field, there's still emergency managers out there that really don't do it. And it's up to the state and the independent living centers and just the people. The voice of the people is so powerful and I, fortunately, I've been in one of the most, um, let's say, voices, vo- boisterous, boisterous, <laughs> boisterous, right? <laughs> good, <Yes>. good. <laughs> Our voices and, being heard. Uh, I like it. Definitely. And what we strive to do, like you said, is yes, invite us to the table. We have a right to be at the table so that things don't get missed. And it's slowly but surely coming. There's a few counties that are a little bit more advanced. Most of our northern counties are well advanced and they bring in advocates. Um, Eric, I know you work with a couple of, do you, I know you work with the state on a couple of items, but have you um, gotten into conversations with some of the northern counties? Not yet. That's my next stop. Do you think that's because <laughs> they've experienced the, the two incidents we talked about, you know, Paradise and Orville, which were really major events. Uh, do you think that accelerated their preparedness because they firsthand saw, you know, what was needed, you know, especially what we're talking about today in the disabled community? Yes, I think it is. Uh, and in addition to that, um, they have maybe a little bit more, uh activism going on uh they they have a few more people who are who have been in the state center i mean well let's take vince vance taylor for example he is an awesome person and by him (laughs) by him getting involved i i mean i wish he would come down here a few more times but being up in the sacramento area he has the ear of a lot of people up there and cal oes 
Cal OES, those were still down here in, in the Southern Range. And, but yes, I think I would agree with you because of the Orville Dam incident, the Paradise Fire, and a couple of other complex fires that have happened over the years. Those tight little communities with you only have a one road in, which is the same road out, and people get trapped up there. We Californians, we love to be on our own. But we should also be a little bit more part of our counties and cities as well. And I don't think we do that enough down here in the South. Yeah. And, and maybe both of you could kind of help me with this. I know in my brief time with in management at, at Rolling Start and disaster preparedness was one of the things that I, you know, I was kind of starting to focus on. So I'm so happy to see that we have somebody at Rolling Start now who is, you know, spearheading that. And it's a real focus for us now. Um, but I, I learned that there are stockpiles of durable medical equipment that the counties, I believe, have set aside. You know, there's uh, wheelchairs and different things, I guess, that they've determined that we need. And, and you know, I don't, you know, I don't know where that determination was made. I don't know who was part of that conversation. Yeah, let's get a bunch of deal of uh, of of uh, wheelchairs and crutches and stuff and put them in a, you know, you know, a, a storage place somewhere. And then when there's a disaster, we'll have them, you know, I don't know where they determined that was a need. And, um, but so there has been some thought that goes for our community ahead of time. Where does that stand now? They are still there. Uh, Office of aging and adult services spearheads that a lot. Uh, The, also the office of emergency services um they make sure now that they have the different types of uh, cots when i was working with the county we were setting up for covid and that was one of the things that we had to make sure some cots are higher some are lower and we would put them aside in certain in, in the areas for when we were developing the mass shelters just so that we could accommodate everybody to the best that we can. And FEMA too. FEMA has spearheaded as I would say, especially after Katrina and each, each and every disaster, we learned something. Katrina taught us a lot, but it also taught us about our, our disabled community and those that need a little bit extra help and what kind of, devices that they use and that they need and of course we're always going to fall short but that's why as humans we learn as we go yeah now is there have they addressed the accessible uh, restrooms and showers when they have to you know the, the disaster uh, shelters where they can go yes and um, when the latest one that I know of was the earthquake up in Trona back in July of 2019 I believe. And that was the first thing we said. Oh, no, if we're going to get showers out there, we need disabled showers. We need dis- disabled for the um, bathrooms. And we got them out there. And yeah. it's great because that should be like the second thing on yeah. the minds of the, the center. Okay, we need showers. All right, we need showers for regular people and we need showers for disabilities yeah and the same with a lot of times it's that big semi that they pull in you know what i mean they they pull in that big semi and you know you got to go up 
five feet before you can even get into a shower, let alone get into a shower. Yeah. So, well, good. Good right. to know that, uh, you know, your voice, I'm sure you're making a lot of that noise to make sure the accommodations are there. So we appreciate that. Um, is there, is there any, uh, organizations or committees or, uh, things like that, that our, our listeners can join in their community to help them be that voice at the table? You could always join in at the county level and even cities. I know every fire department usually hosts a day or has some kind of involvement of some kind. CERT, which is Community Emergency Response Team, is a great spot for listeners to go get involved in your city CERT, your county CERT. They take everybody. And I know Eric is part of, I believe it's Loma Linda CERT. Is that one that you're in with, Eric? I used to be a part of uh, Redlands, but then I moved to Fontana. But I am a certified uh, program manager and CERT instructor. Well, see how you are. You left us for Fontana. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. Can, can you explain <laughs> to our listeners? Can you explain to our listeners who aren't aware of exactly what a cert is? Well, so a cert is uh yeah, you can do it, Eric. You're you're the trainer. You're 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 more Yeah, let us know. Because I know I'll that's kind this of, one over to Eric. It's kind of the first line of defense, a cert is, right? Um in a sense it is the first line of defense. It is a uh, Three-day program that's absolutely free. You could take it um, in any city within your community, and they teach you the basics and the ups and downs of uh, disaster preparedness. Like when I went through my training in Redlands back in uh, 2013 when they first opened, it had me thinking, you know, should a disaster ever hit, what am I going to do to cope and should, you know, when things get back to a new normal? And I learned all kinds of cool stuff, you know, disaster psychology, cribbing, um, teamwork and um how to um do the greater good for the greatest number but always go you know don't go beyond your scope so in a given area how how large of an area does a particular cert cover is it it, it's fairly small it's like a small neighborhood and then there's a a meeting between the members of that neighborhood in advance they kind of will assign different uh uh, assignments like you know you and you are going to go out and help people turn off gas where needed or you know check and make sure that uh, people are safe and because you know in a, in a disaster emts and firemen and all those you know they're going to be heading towards some probably fairly major stuff there's kind of a triage that goes on and they may not get to your neighborhood for a while but there still may be some needs so is that what cert addresses that's kind of what my understanding was Precisely, Deb, but one of the most important thing is uh, before um, you uh, go in teams of three to see if people are okay and uh, anything else, always make sure that, that your safety is first and that you and your family are okay before you uh, go out. So you check your own family first, and then you go out to start uh, checking on your neighbors and hopefully kind of get things under control a bit until firemen EMTs can get to address any issues that they have. So, yeah, so very important, especially and, in those big disasters. We're, we're, uh, we're, yeah. uh, we're, go- we're, uh, we're CERT members, and we wanted to uh, check out some houses. One of the um, great things to keep in mind is um, check to see if it's safe, if it's safe to enter, because um, you don't want to enter a place that's too heavily damaged. Right. Yeah. And, to, and to, from the other, from the ahead, other side ahead, of sir. it. Doug, 
um, as an EMT, we rely on the CERT members to tell us if we need to stop at a house or if our services could be used someplace else. Case in point, one of the items that I talk about and give out during my my classes with Rolling Start is have a lantern. If you have a lantern in your window and of course we all know earthquakes love to hit in the dark hours of the night. If you have that and it's set on, then when we do what's called a windshield drive-by evaluation, we can see, okay, there's somebody in that house, but they're okay. Or if you write on your door, one person here, okay. We use that and then we can take point of where we have to go back. If you have an emergency, um, the best thing is to somehow have that flash, get a lantern that flashes. And there are some lanterns out there that will do an SOS. Put that in your window. We see it. We know, okay, we'll radio to the people, to the crew coming behind us to say, okay, house number 1452 on, you know, G Street they need attention they have an sos flashing light in their window and that is excellent for us so that's one of the keys that we can work with cert to point out what who needs the help immediately and who can maybe have a few scratches bruises broken bones that we don't have to get to right away and um just kind of tag it along the way so the, the it kind of accelerates the whole process of getting to the people who need it most first, and then they can address that and get back to the people that need it. And, and, and you let them know who's okay and doesn't need any help, and they're fine. So you're not looking through those people that don't need anything only to find out they don't need anything. You know, got it, got it. So that's a, so that's a community level, and then they have regular meetings to, to learn these things that you're sharing with us and uh, disaster preparedness stores, I'm sure have these kind of items that you're talking about and, and oh, yes. uh, offer those classes. If you're disabled, you know, come to one of Sarah's classes at Rolling Start. Oh yes, by all means. And then there's also some businesses in the area too. Um, there's a business that I use a lot out in, I want to say it's in Ventura called SOS and they have a lot of supplies and they offer classes too. Finding classes is really not as difficult as you think. Good, good. So do you offer regular classes at Rolling Start? We offer on the Zoom class and we talk about why it's important to be prepared and what being prepared means. We talk about doing a a, a packing up a go bag and why you would need one versus a, a stay at home box. And then we also talk about having a plan and what goes into that plan. Sometimes we can get on some really exciting conversations with, with a plan and they can be convoluted if you let it. But if you have the basics and you write it up, write it up when it's calm. Yeah. And that way and make copies of it. Send it out to your friends and neighbors, family members. We talk about all those uh, little items. And of course, by all means, don't do it by yourself. There's templates out there. So we talk about the various templates and just answer the questions. Yeah. 
You know, um, let me ask you this. Go bags is, um, yes, Eric. One of the cool things about go bags is that I often look at is, you know, think of it as getting ready to go to a sleepover or if you're getting ready to go camping or getting ready to go on a hike or making pizza, like everybody loves pizza, but at the same time, everybody's pizza is going to be different. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to tailor it for yourself, you know, and especially where we're talking about the disabled community, we all have very different needs from person to person to person. Um, you know, let's talk a little bit about human nature because, you know, this, the, the conversation really comes to the forefront whenever there's a disaster that we have to be prepared. You know, there's a, especially if there's a little earthquake, it gets that whole conversation. You have to be prepared for an earthquake and all the things to do and, you know, have uh, food and everything on storage, maybe some fresh water, those things. And, and, and there might be some activity where people kind of get some of those things done, but, we always seem to kind of put it off. So uh, just given that, what are you? What would you say are the bare, if you're going to get something done, what are, what are you, what do you think the basic is that you should really get done now? A go bag sounds like it might be water. on there. Water is the bare, bare bit of right? Have fresh your, water. Your, right. Your bare necessities, water, or not if you, have like a Brita filter or a filter somehow to filter water. Mm-hmm. I would say bare minimum, at least a case of water for each person in your family and or a water filter filtration of some kind that is not connected to your water line in yeah, your house yeah. or apartment and some non uh, perishable foods. Granola bars are great. Um, various things you can get at the dollar store, Walmart right, yeah. and the dollar store have it. Yeah. Uh, and just that would, I would say that would be the bare minimum. Is there a rule and of thumb like, for how many days that you should kind of try to, you know, have so you could be self-sufficient for, you know, is it two or three days? That actually has been changing yeah. throughout and there's some politics, very little politics <laughs> that go into that. It used to be planned for three days, but because we do have a shortage of first responders right now, we've extended it to have it for at least seven days because wow. that's going to be how long it could possibility of first responders getting to you. And then it depends on the damage. So if you know that there's buckled roads because of an earthquake or flooded roads because of the wonderful um, hurricane that comes through, then you, you have to wait until the water subsides before first responders can get to you. Uh, we've seen stories back east in the, in the south where first responders come on a boat or a kayak or a canoe. Um, unfortunately, in California, that doesn't happen. So we have to wait for the water to secede before the trucks can go through. But when the water secedes, then you see the real damage. And we found that up on the Highway 38 after the last rainstorm. It is still closed to this day. And we're, what, uh, two almost two months since we had that powerful rain come through because of the undermining of the roadway and the roadway is gone. So yeah, we've stretched it out to about, let's go for seven days 
minimum. And of course, there's a calculation for how many people in the family, so how much you need. And yeah, okay. Right. Good. But you say there there are some templates that kind of help you calculate all this, right? Yes, yes. And if you're going to talk about your basics, there's another one that is very rarely spoken about, but I like to talk about it. And that's what are you going to do if you have to use the restroom and you have to go to the bathroom? Mm -hmm. There are some products that are coming out now. And sometimes they're a little bit more expensive to buy. I know I've seen a couple of things at Bass Pro Shops and I've seen a couple of things at Turner's. But if you really want to get to the basics, you get black trash bags and kitty litter. You have that and now you don't have to put your waste into the ground. Like back in the old days, I think when Mm -hmm. Doug and I were growing up, there were still (laughs) outhouses out there. (laughs) But that way it keeps everything confined. It keeps everything clean and the kitty litter soaks up everything. So just a basic bag of kitty litter and trash bags. Okay, you can get some Charmin too, but have that as part of your basic needs for your stay at home. Yeah, sounds like a pretty uh, simple but effective solution for that. I like that. I like that. So um, maybe at the end of our conversation, you can give us some websites where people can go or we can add them also to our resources on our resource page on walkandrolllive.com. Let's uh, let's go to uh, the PSPS part of your title there. Explain to us what the PSPS is. So PSPS stands for Public Safety Power Shutoff. And just out of sheer coincidence, we are entering one right now as we speak. And that is when the power utilities look ahead and see that the winds are going to be very heavy, very high, and look at what areas they are. So to save from a power or excuse me to save from a fire starting what the utility companies will do is shut down the power when the winds get above 65 miles per hour now this comes again off of the paradise fire that happened several years ago and they are seem to think that that's what caused the paradise fire and some of the faulty equipment that will not i wouldn't say faulty equipment I would say the older equipment that hasn't been replaced yet. I mean, we have power lines all over the place and they are quite old. So to protect us from wildfires and to protect equipment, Edison and PG&E will sometimes have to shut off the power. And that's when we sit there and we hear it. Oh, it's a PSPS event. They make it sound like it's such a big event <laughs> right next to, oh, and the winds are coming. And then everybody in Inland Empire looks around and says, when is the wind not blowing? But we're, we're talking the extreme, extreme wind speed, 65 and above. 65, yeah. So we have devices at Rolling Start um, that that we have for uh, a somebody that say has a respirator and can't do without having electricity. So tell us a little bit about that program. 
yes, we do. Um, together with the Disability Disaster Access and Resources Program through the state of California, both PG&E and Edison are now partners with with us to provide a backup battery. And what that is, is exactly what it sounds like. It is a battery and they're pretty big in size. We have them in, we have them in various sizes at Rolling Start. Right now we just have two sizes, but what we can do is if you are on a respirator and the power goes off, then we provide a battery for you to plug that respirator in, unplug it from the wall, plug it into the backup battery. And now you can have the freedom of breathing and all the, uh, everything that comes with it for your disability during that power outage. Now, it is just a Band-Aid because if the battery runs out, now you have, you're right back into the the position you were to begin with. So we strive to say, okay, this is for a short term. If it's going to be long term, then we need to get you out of that area and in an area, a different area that's not going through a power shutoff. So as I like to say, use it to buy yourself four hours of time so that you can still have that extra time to, to get into an area. Say you are, you use a, a, a hospital bed. And by using the four hours, you're going to now buy yourself some more time to get that transportation to you to move you to another area. Um, and then hopefully, you know, the, the power does come back on and isn't as long as it is. Um, but sometimes, yeah, it just, it buys time, but we do have them and we can do them on a long-term loan or we can do them on a short-term loan. But it's something that you can get before the event happens. So you have it on site and then so they apply for it at Rolling Start. And is and, and I would imagine, again, you know, talking to our listeners who are across our country and the, the world, um, you, know, you know, might check with your local disaster preparedness officials and see if they have a program uh, similar to this. But um, is there a criteria that they have to meet? For us in yeah. our area, yes, there is. Yeah. Um, you do have to have dependent on medical equipment, yeah. number one. Number two, you have to be in a high fire area. Now that I say that, but not all areas of the Inland Empire are a high fire area. Yeah. Um, majority of your areas you're looking at, Fontana, Ontario, those that are close to the foothills, um, the way the, the way the Inland Empire is shaped, it's oh, there's certain areas that it is just like a funnel of wind that comes yeah. straight through. I live and in those one of those. Are the that are gonna... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm in North Rialto, and those so are the I areas know. That are gonna... Oh, yeah. 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 And then there's some other areas like our high desert that gets wind all the time, but it doesn't affect the power going off because they're used to it and they have the the equipment up there that can handle the high winds yeah. a lot of that is newer areas so the uh the towers probably aren't as old as you know ours are here right. in the, the, the populated areas that have been populated longer uh, is there any uh anything that is on the horizon now say 
legislatively or uh, just policy-wise that affects our community that uh, we could uh, we could kind of reach out to our local officials, whether it be congressmen or, or whatever that are, uh, you know, reviewing any kind of policy that we could put our voice in to kind of help it go through, kind of mobilize our, our constituency? Um, not that I am aware of at this moment, but always, I mean, always want to look and see what's going on. If there's something in the area that maybe even Rolling Start doesn't know about, let us know and we can get our advocate onto it and find out what's, you know, okay. If you need something, yeah, we have an advocate right here and she's awesome. Um, she can look into what is going on, what is changing, what is not changing. Um, I know there was something that was said with the Edison. Edison is now uh, really um, focused on the community, the, uh, our community now too. Yeah. So they have new contracts throughout the southern southern california area and into their areas to make sure that well maybe there's more things out there in fact i know i received a survey from edison as an edison customer i received a survey about disabilities just recently so maybe that might be something that everybody starts looking into and says hey did i get a Survey. I want to check that out. Don't always yeah. throw everything away that comes in. I know. I know. The mail. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah, but let our let our voice be heard. Exactly. I like it. So before I let you go, is there a couple of maybe uh, websites or uh, places that we could go to get more information? Maybe the templates to help us kind of put together our our go bag or whatever it is. Keep up to date. Always, you can always go to ready.gov. They have awesome um, information there, step by step, how to put together a go bag, how to put together a um, and they, templates for a plan. And a lot of the other ones that I use, Red Cross is a good one. Okay. Sometimes kind of not so easy to get around, but you can find it and you just search on plans or and then search search for classes too. Red Cross does do some preparedness classes. And one of the other ones that I use a lot is, um, of course, Rolling Start. We mm-hmm. I was going to say, yeah. Up there. <laughs> and even though, I'll, I'll, uh, if, it's, if it's all right, uh, you know, Sarah's sure. making a career change. So Sarah may not be there, but somebody will be there at Rolling Start. And uh, you're going to continue in the field of disaster preparedness, right? So, uh, Sarah will be a resource yes, in our community uh, still going forward. So thank you for coming. And Eric, uh, any any uh, resources you think in your knowledge base that uh, I think you're muted, but uh, let us know if, uh, if there's anything that you could think of. I was just thinking, you know, when it comes to preparing your kids, you know, think about what you may need. Like uh, one of the good ideas is you know, always ask for a, uh, backup or emergency prescription, you know, from your doctors, places like um, the grocery stores, the ATM machines, and the pharmacies, even when the disaster is over and done with, it's going to be a while for stuff to get back to a new normal. That is a good one because that, for some reason, that's something that is so vital that I tend to forget all the time, my medication, even if I'm just going away for a a three-day weekend, I'm packing and everything and 
And like all of a sudden, it was like, oh, my, my meds, because I have forgotten. And that's a nightmare to try to find them in, in some community where you're at. So good tip, Eric. Thank you very much. All right, Sarah, thank you once again for coming by and spending some time with us on this uh, very important topic. Uh, we appreciate it here at Walk and Roll Live. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Habitat for Humanity builds houses and so much more. A Habitat build site is where hanging a door opens a world of opportunity, where turning a screw turns the page, and where a simple key can unlock a brighter future. You see, Habitat for Humanity builds houses and so much more. What will you build? Visit Habitat.org to learn more. Welcome back, folks. I'm here with my buddy, Doug. Let me tell you, that was a real cool show, Doug. There was even some stuff that I never knew. Because you know how they say um, it's uh, three days to um, make sure your disaster uh, preparedness kit is uh, uh, usable? Yeah. Well, now they've um, changed it to seven days because of the you know, times are starting to change every every day more and more. Yeah. That's good to know that they're, you know, monitoring what the situation, what the needs are and making changes. And they don't they just don't make a decision, put it on the shelf and then, you know, go on with other things. So that that gives you confidence in the whole system. Right. So uh, and there's so much that we could do. That's that was a great thing. Learning about like the cert and all of those things that there's there's things that and, and we're going to need to, you know, when there's a disaster, especially a major disaster you know we've been talking for years and years and years about the big one the big earthquake in california uh there's not going to be enough first responders that can come and and address everybody's needs so that cert really i think is the key and it's going to be so important to 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 help us through that early stages uh so good stuff thank you tell your friends all about it and have them listen and uh, continue to listen. We appreciate it so much. We appreciate uh, our professional training for supporting us here at Walk and Roll Live. And we'll do it again next week right here. Same place, same time. Well, you can listen anytime you want, but we do drop them every uh, every Tuesday at 5 p.m. is when you can start looking for them at a specific time. Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podbean, Amazon, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. So, For uh, Eric Aguilar, I am Doug Vincent saying so long, and I'll give the final thought to you, Eric. Let me tell you, when it comes to, you know, disaster preparedness, the one thing that really comes down to it is coming together and being there for each other. So until next time, folks, take care of yourselves and each other. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye, folks. Walk and Roll Live is heard around the world at walkandrolllive.com, Podbean, and Spotify. Like us at facebook.com slash walkandrolllive. You can email us at warlive at walkandrolllive.com with comments, observations, or whatever's on your mind. Whatever's on your mind. Have a topic you'd like to hear or a guest you think would be great for the show? Let us know. Look for new episodes every Tuesday afternoon. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.